we are continuing our Anchored series, and you got me this morning, and I just want to say one thing. I love the book of Hebrews, and I hope you guys do too. It's an incredible book, and we're actually at the finish. We got two more sermons, and we're in chapter 13. It's the last uh, chapter of Hebrews, and it's been incredible, and it's, again, it's about the Hebrews. It's about the Hebrew Christians, and it's so rich in, in, in stuff, and today... Uh, we're talking about a specific subject, and I called today's sermon, The Outsiders. I'm going 80s on you. Anybody 80s? Anybody grew up in the 80s? Anybody wish the 80s still existed? I, I want to go back in time and watch Back to the Future, and I want to go back into the 80s. Uh, but if you remember The Outsiders, if we have the picture of the movie here, remember The Outsiders? Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze. And this is an incredible movie. If you don't even know this movie, uh, go see it. But the reason why I, I chose this title is because it's about gangs. And I love gangs. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, Pastor Carl encouraged, he was commanding you to join a gang. He was. He told you, join a gang. He didn't tell you to join a violent drug dealing gang. He told you to join a loving uh, family of believers. You know another word for a family of believers that's called a gang? It's called church. We are a gang. And we have to act like a gang. You know, gangs, they back each other up, don't they? They encourage one another. They're, they're here to fight for each other. And so, and this movie, The Outsiders, if you remember the movie, come on, let's take a poll here. Anybody watch the movie? Okay, okay, go Netflix it, whatever it is. Well, the movie starts off with these two gangs. The, the gangs is these guys. They're called the Greasers. Remember that? They're the poor kids. They're the greasers. They use uh, mortar oil to like grease their head, whatever it is. And they were poor and they, you know, they're kind of dirty. Then there were the socias. They were the rich kids. They were a gang too. It was a little weird gang because they're rich, and, but they were like these mean gangs wearing cardigans. And they're just like, we're, we're tough. We're a gang. Don't mess up my sweater. You know, it's like it was a weird thing. But they were like fighting against each other. And the, the whole movie opens up with Pony Boy. And he sees the movie, and he opens the door after seeing the movie, and he's by himself, and Pony Boy is one of the greasers. He's walking home by himself. Then the socias drive up in their car, their nice car, and their cardigans, you know, and they're chasing him down, and they finally trap him, and they, they put uh, Pony Boy on the floor, and they have a knife to his neck. Then guess what? Tom Cruise comes along. Patrick Swayze, Matt Dillon, the other greasers. They all chase all the other socias off. And then there's the gang. And you know what? They're the outsiders. And I want to tell you right now, Jesus is calling us to be the outsiders. Are you stoked about that? You should be proud about that. But here's the thing. What am I getting to? We are outsiders. I'm going to, I'm going to prove you through scripture that Jesus is calling us to be outsiders, to be actually the rejects, to be the one that was cast out. You know, it's really, really bad to be someone that's been cast out by yourself. You know, I, I realize that. I've, I've preached this before. You guys know very well that I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. And I hope you guys are too. And, I was a, and I'm an OG Lord of the Rings fan, way before the movies. I read the book when I was young. And I remember when I was in my 20s, in the 90s, this is before the movies came out. I decided, you know what? I'm going to reread Lord of the Rings. So I picked up the first book, and I remember was, I was with one of my really, really good friends. I had the book in my hand, and he looked at me and he just said, still reading children's books, I see. And I was like, I literally, like, I remember going home, putting the book back on my shelf, and just my head low, I'm like, I'm a loser. 
I'm an outsider, I'm a, I'm a nerd, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a geek, whatever it is. But guess what, the movies came out and the world came up, they, 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 they caught up with me. <laughs> I, was, I was cool again. And you know what? I married a Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> my wife Grace, she loves Lord of the Rings. We went to New Zealand and we went to Hobbiton. <laughs> and we were proud of it, you know? Um, I met some other Lord of the Rings fans. I did a wedding that they actually themed the wedding after the, the party in the Fellowship of the Ring, the party tree and everything. And I was the pastor. I'm like, this is awesome. I want to dress up as a hobbit. I want to do this. I was like, they did a full party. I'm like, you know what? And the, the point, what I'm saying is it's really, really bad to be an outsider, a reject, thrown out by yourself, isn't it? You're just like, uh. You know what's really, really cool is when you're a reject and you're thrown into the reject pile. Because why? There's other rejects. <laughs> and then you're like, are you a reject? Yeah, I'm a reject. You're a reject? Yeah, now you got a gang. You got a gang of rejects. And you can be proud of that. And, and, and what else, why is it related to the Hebrews? It's because the Hebrews were rejects. Because they were the Jews. They, were, they, were, they, they had this system in place and all the rules and the regulations that God actually put in place. And all these things that they had to do. But then they became Christians. And Jesus did something brand new and changed their lives. And they were trying to cling on to the old system, but then they had this new guy named Jesus that changed the world and changed their lives and changed everything. And then they're getting persecuted. They were thrown in jail. Guys were getting killed because they believed in Jesus. So they became the outsiders. And what the author is saying, you know what? It's okay. Be proud to be outsiders. You know what? Encourage each other. Support one another. It's okay. Be a gang. Stick together. And the scriptures I'm going to share with you guys in, in Hebrews 13, if you guys want to turn there, it's really talking, and I, and I think the whole book, and we've already said this before, it's a book written for who? Christians. Hebrew Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so um, I'm actually going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to actually throw the kitchen sink at you guys. Are you guys ready to get the kitchen sink? Because at the end of a lot of the letters in the Bible, it's like the last chapter is all about, you know what, this is great what I said and all, but you know what, I'm going to throw all this stuff that you can do now. I want to give you practical advice. And so basically what the author of Hebrews in 13 is saying, you know what, I'm going to teach you the gang life, how to be a good gang. How to stick together, how to back each other up. So let's go to Hebrews 13. And I'm going to kind of say a verse, and then I'm going to share my point with you. And so if you got your notes ready, uh, however you take notes. Hebrews 13.1 says this, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now that uh, makes it very clear that brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus Christ. But here's the main word that I love, keep. Keep on loving and my first point to live a gang life for Jesus is that you would exercise and develop your love for other people, other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Write that down. That you would exercise and develop your love for others. And what I mean by that is, is that a lot of us, we love, but you're like, yeah, I loved enough. I've, I've loved enough people, all right? I can take a break now, or I can, I can stop loving people. And what he's encouraging you to do is keep on going. Keep on doing it to the end. Actually, keep on loving, but don't stop. You know, I've seen a lot of um, Christians that have been Christians for a long time. And you know what I see in their eyes? They've lost their love. They've lost their compassion. 
they've gotten jaded with their love for God and their love for other people. And I don't ever want to get there. And the author is saying, don't get jaded. But you know what the problem with working and, and loving people is? Is the people. <laughs> I'm a pastor. The problem with people is working with people is this is the people. Because why? They will fail you. You will fail someone. They will burn you. Burn you. You will get betrayed. You will invest in someone. You will spend time with them. And you would think, man, this guy has a great plan for the Lord. And they fall into sin. And they, 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 yet they're nowhere to be seen. You're like, what, what happened? And the worst thing I can do is someone can come up to me and go, hey, Tom, can you disciple me? And I can look into their eyes and go, you know what? You're going to burn me too. And I can be jaded. And I can say, no, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to get hurt. But the author is saying, nope, keep on loving. Keep on doing it. One of the best advice I heard uh, from Joyce Meyer is do yourself a favor and forgive someone. <laughs> do yourself a favor and forgive. Do it. Just keep on loving people. Excel in love. Um, let's go on here. In Hebrews 13, 2, it says this. Here's the next one. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, you have to realize, showing hospitality to strangers, like, whoa, like people I don't even know. Once again, who is this for? Brothers and sisters. We're talking about the gang. We're talking about, actually, Christian strangers. And the, the weird thing is, the word for hospitality, you know what the word for hospitality in the Greek is? It's this, it's this word called philoxena. You know what that means? The love of strangers that you would love. Now, here's the context. I know you're thinking, like, what, what does that mean? Back in those days, there was persecution. People were getting persecuted and judged for being a Christian. So they're running for their lives. They're being chased out of their homes. So there was believers just running everywhere. And they're looking for shelter. And they're looking for a place to stay. And if they found another Christian home, they'd be like, can you help me? They would open the door and I'm a believer. I know you don't know me, but can you help me? And so it's this hospitality. And then it says here, it says, you don't, you don't even know that you might have entertained angels. And here's the thing I don't want you guys to do. I don't want you to sit in your home after church and go, I'm just going to wait for the angels to knock on my door then. Awesome. You know? <laughs> it's like, come on, angels. I'm, I'm waiting for that, whatever it is. You know what that is? Is that you'd always be aware that there's going to be a blessing that you have no idea. You're, you're going you're to be aware that your impact, and here's the next point I want to give you guys is that realize your hospitality can have a huge impact, more than you ever know. It could be a blessing towards you, or it can be a blessing towards a person that you show hospitality to. That you would look at another believer, younger or older, and you go, you know what, I'm going to show you love right now. I'm going to encourage you. And you have no idea the impact that can make. Here's an example in my own life. When I first came to Hope Chapel, this is even before I met Carl, but here's a Here's how I know that Carl's going to be my lifetime friend. His cat was named Strider. Strider was a character in The Lord of the Rings. And I'm like going, your cat is named Strider. Nerd herd, let's do this. You know? I was like, you're my friend. But this is before I met Carl. I, didn't, I came to this church and I didn't have any friends. I met one person, Shannon Hill. He was one of the youth leaders. And he remembered my name. When you remember someone's name, that's hospitable. But then he looked, up, looked at me and said, hey, you're Tom. I'm all, yeah? You're Tom Tom. I'm all, okay, I'm, I'm Tom Tom. Okay. And they kept on calling me Tom Tom. 
And then 30 years later, people still call me TomTom. -Tom. Actually, on my wife's phone, it says TomTom. -Tom. My wife receives my phone calls, and it's, it's that nickname that he gave me. And that little thing that he gave me, gave me a belonging, gave me an identity, gave me a place where I can go, you know what? Hope Chapel, the body of Christ, this is my home. I'm Tom Tom. I walk into a room, hey, Tom Tom. Everybody knows your name. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It, it affected me. And he never even knew how much that affected me, even to this day, 30 years later. Okay, so don't call me Tom Francis, call me Tom Tom, okay? <laughs> you can call me whatever you want, actually. Um, realize your hospitality can have a huge impact. Let's move on. Hebrews 3, uh, 13, 3. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. This is, you know, again, there are Christians being thrown into jail. And what he's saying here is, you know what? Don't go, ah, at least I didn't get caught. Or you feel like that's not affecting me. And what he's saying here, and the point I want to make, if you want to have a good gang, if you, have a, if you really want a good, proper gang, know that one member of the gang affects the whole gang. Are you hearing me? Right? If you stub your toe, the rest of your body is going to hurt. Your toe's not on its own. Your whole body hurts. If one part of the body is hurting, then you're hurting. Don't, don't gossip about them. Have their back. Don't celebrate if someone is, don't, don't, don't be mad at someone if they're, they're being successful in what they're doing. Don't be jealous. Let me say one thing. There is no competition in the body of Christ. Can I say that? There is no competition. That you know what? That you would rejoice if someone's succeeding. That you would mourn if they're mourning. That the church down the street, if they're having more people than us, that we would celebrate that the kingdom of God is growing. That the body of Christ is growing. There is no competition. In um, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says this. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Let's move to the next one. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, what does this have to do with a gang? I think this has everything to do with having a good gang in Jesus Christ. Because I really believe if we learn how to honor marriage, and this is not just towards couples, like, okay, you couples, you married couples, honor your marriage. He's saying everyone honor marriage. Whether you're single, honor marriage. Know that when you're single, that you know that this is the standard that you have to keep. That you, you know why? Because marriage is a family unit. And if that family unit is broken apart through whatever, whatever happens, and I think adultery is one of the worst ones, then the, the couple is split apart. But what else is split apart? The family split apart. The friends split apart. There's a domino effect. I'm not here to condemn anyone, please. I'm just saying, you got to know that there's some massive consequences if we don't learn how to honor marriage, amen? And it breaks apart the gang. And I've experienced that in my own life, that my own gang of Christians was broken up by this. And I'm just saying, there's some heavy consequences. So honor marriage. Keep it as holy because it's the family. And if you honor the family, you honor the gang as well. Let's move on. 
Hebrews 13, 5. Here's the next one. I told you I'm throwing the kitchen sink. So keep on writing notes. 5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Here, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. And what I get out of this is this. This is, write this in your notes. Check your heart. To be in a gang of believers, you have to check your heart. Check your motives. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for God? Are you doing it for other people? Or are you doing it absolutely for yourself? Because the love of money, what the love of money brings? Making money is not bad. We're not against making money. It's the love of money. It's your motive of why are you doing it? Are you doing it? Because it's what I can get out of it, which is a very selfish thing. What am I going to get out of it? But I remember, if you guys read Rick Warren's book, right? Purpose Driven Life, what is the main line? That first line in his first chapter. It's not about you. It's not about you. What a great line. That this is not about you. That to be in a gang, you know what? A gang is not a gang if we're all selfish. <laughs> you just made your own gang, you know? Well, let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever been on a trip with someone that when you got home from the trip that you promised yourself you'll never ever go on a trip with that person? <laughs> Anybody with me? You're like, I'm done. Why? I think we all have a common thing. That person was selfish. They thought of themselves. They wanted to do their own thing. They didn't want to do anything with the group or whatever it was. That's, that, you know, that's not a game. You're not supporting one another. I have a perfect example of this. Um, back in the 90s, I was in a punk rock band called Grapefruit. And uh, we opened for Green Day. The two times that Green Day came, we actually, we got, we got famous. I don't know, we we're just like these ragtag little punk rockers. And so we decided uh, that we're going to take a tour. And we, uh, one of our tours, we did three tours, we, we decided to drive across the country and back. And then there was this one guy that wanted to come with us. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be your roadie. I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to carry all your stuff. I'm going to help sell merchandise and whatever it was. And so I'm like, right on, dude. We're in it. Let's do this. So we went to California, started in California. The whole plan was to drive to North Carolina. We found out this guy, he didn't want to help us out. He didn't want to carry anything. He wanted to meet girls at all the shows. He didn't want to spend his money on gas to get where we're going. He wanted to save all that money to buy all of his records and all of his CDs and all the places that we're visiting. He just wanted to spend all, of, all his money on himself. I remember we went to CeCe's All You Can Eat Pizza. I wish there was one here, by the way. Right, we're poor punk rockers, and we had five bucks, and we just like, and I remember he didn't even want to spend five bucks on all-you-can-eat pizza. So we sat there in CC's, and we're like grinding away, and here's him with his sad face. I got to buy more records. I'm so sorry. And he's just basically saying, well, do you want some pizza? You know? This guy was so selfish. This is what happened. We were driving from California to North Carolina. We dropped him off in Alabama. He didn't, make it. he didn't make it to the East Coast. We're just like, we're done. Here's a bus stop. See you later. Have a nice life. We got rid of him. He was just selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't think of yourself. It's not about you. Hebrews 13, 7. Let's move on. Uh, it says here, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. 
Here's what I get out of this. Follow a good example and be a good example. Write that down. Follow a good example and be a good example. It says, follow the example of your leaders. This means look for someone that's a little bit ahead of you, that, that, that knows Jesus Christ a little bit more than you do. They're like an elder uh, compared to you. Learn from them. Learn their ways. Pick them good. You know, that's why we come to church, and hopefully we're the good example to you guys. But there's going to be someone close to you that you can trust and share your life with. Follow their example, but know this, that when you follow their example, there's going to be someone else that's going to be following you too. So that you have to be a good example, and you would be a good example. And it's thinking generationally. It's, you're stepping back and go, I am thinking for the long haul. Guess what? You know how long this gang has been lasting? 2,000 years. This gang of Christians have been here for 2,000 plus years because they thought generationally, I'm going to pass this down. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to follow a good example and I'm going to be a good example. Think generationally. All right, we're coming into the kind of the meat of the matter. And let's go to Hebrews 13, verse 8. It says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's stop there. Amen. That's a good, that's a good word right there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, to, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in their tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp. Outsiders, come outside with me outside the camp. I lost my place. All right. Under the old system, um, the high priest brought the blood of the animals in the whole place and sacrifices, and the bodies of the animals were burnt outside the So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore, for this world is not our permanent home, we're looking forward to home yet to come. Now, that was a long verse. I was going to the short ones, and now there's a long one. What does that all mean? And here's the thing I get out of it. If it relates to being a great gang in Jesus Christ, write this down. Go all in. Go all in. Any, any Texas Hold'em players out there? Right? Go all in, which means this. The Hebrews, the Jews at the time, were struggling. What were they struggling with? I said this before. They're struggling with the old system, the way the, um, the Le Levitical law was set up, and all the priests, and all the forgiveness of sin, and all the culture and rituals and rules. They had that system, what they grew up in. That's all they knew. And then Jesus changed everything. But they're like, you know what? God's grace, and Jesus died for my sins, and I don't have to work on it, but I kind of like that stuff, working at it and working out my salvation and, and earning my favor with God. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't earn your favor with God. You're covered by my grace. Amen? But they're stuck in the middle, and they're like, I don't know. They're basically greasers and socialists at the same time. They had a cardigan with greasy hair. 
And they, they didn't know what they were. And, and basically the author's saying, go all in. Go outside the camp. Go outside where Jesus is. And what he was referring to was the day of atonement. It was the holiest day in the Jewish, uh, Jewish year. Is the holiest day. is when, when the priest went into the holy temple, brought the blood of an animal into the most holy place, and, and basically forgave the sins of the whole nation. And it was this meticulous process that God set up. But Jesus is saying, and then, oh yeah, and then there was a one guy who brought the dead animal and he burned it outside the city. But this guy, it says in Leviticus, he had to clean himself before he went into the city because it was a, it was a dirty thing. It was unclean. So he had to wash himself before he entered the city. Jesus is saying, Our, my altar is not there anymore. The altar is over here outside the camp. And you know what? It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. It was shameful. It wasn't like this thing that was before, but I'm asking you to join me anyway. There's a beautiful um, chapter in Isaiah. And I'm just going to kind of summarize some of the stuff that it says. Because it says here, it says that we, we got to go outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Well, what, what disgrace did Jesus Christ bear? It says here in a, um, in a prophetic word uh, saying that Jesus is coming. This is way before even Jesus came. Isaiah wrote this, that he, the Savior that would come, this Messiah, he would be despised and rejected. We would turn our backs on him and look the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. And get this. He was un unjustly condemned, and he was buried like a criminal. That is the disgrace that Jesus bore for our sin by being burned outside the camp. That's what he's relating to. And the author's saying, you know what? I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But are you willing to join Jesus in this disgrace? Because if you join him where he died, guess what? Th then you will live. Then you will live. He's saying that. And what it says to us is what are we willing to be disgraced for? Are we willing to be foolish? Are you willing to be foolish and disgraced for the Lord? Are you willing to give up stuff that your, your, your comforts, your country comforts, whatever it is, or even your identity, are you willing to let go of things to join Jesus? Are you willing to let go of your identity, who you are? Oh, this is how I've been for the rest of my life. Are you willing to let go of even some friends? Are you willing to let go of your, your money, the, the material possessions? I don't know. Because God has such an incredible plan for you. And what I'm learning from this and just even living life is that, you know, this is the Anchored series, is that we have to learn how to uh, hold lightly to the things of this earth. Hold lightly to the things of this earth and grab a grip on the anchor Jesus Christ. And the most awesome thing is Jesus is good to us. He provides our needs. He gives us stuff. I'm not saying just forsake everything. He lets us to hold on to things, but he's saying, hold loosely. Because if, if God's, if we have a good grip on Jesus Christ, he might move us. 
He might take us someplace. He might go, I, I, have, a, I have an awesome plan for you. And he's going to pull on us. And with that grip, we're like tight. But if we have a tighter grip on this, guess what? Right? And he's saying, if you have a tight grip on me, have a loose grip on the things of this world. Have a loose grip on who you think you are. I was talking to a friend this week who kind of reconnected with someone. And there are Christians, you know, he's, they're Christians, but he noticed that he was just kind of more along and this guy was like kind of stumbling along and he asked him like, why, why, what's going on? And his answer was this, he's all, man, this is who I am. I can't, I can't, this is my identity. I can't let that go. He couldn't let go of his own identity to have his identity in Jesus Christ. And I think that's so, the calling of Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ saying, you know what? Let go who you are. Be uncomfortable. Be willing to be foolish. Why? Because I have such a glorious identity for you in my name. Are you hearing me? Um, I'm learning this uh, lesson uh, very well about this. You know, this is not our home that I have to uh, hold loosely to the things I have. I'm living with my in-laws right now. Yeah. Anybody done the same thing? Okay, you, you know the pain I'm feeling. And please do not get me wrong. I love my in-laws. Please don't tell them if they're watching. Hey, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a home. Okay? And I, I live in a little room with my wife and my two kids. And there's actually my, sister's, uh, uh, my wife's sister's family that lives there. So there's three families in one room. And I love them. And they're godly people. And that's great. But guess what? It ain't no home. It's not, you know, I, I love the house I lived in. I love walking around in my boxers. I love watching all the shows that I, 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 I wanted to. I love watch, walking around Kailua, and I didn't have to jump in a car to go uh, to the store, whatever it is. Now, I have to watch what they watch. Okay, I'm going to watch Korean soap operas now. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and I'm going to love it. You know? I have to share a bathroom with two teenagers. Ah! That's gross, you know? I have to get in my car to go, into, to go to the store. I don't like that anymore. But you know what? You know, I'm realizing I'm holding loosely to what I have. And here's the thing. I renovated. We totally buttered out my apartment. I mean, it's super nice. And I'm really, really tempted to move back in. I was like, dude, I think we can make this work in my one-bedroom apartment, family of four. Yeah, we can do this. No, you know what God's teaching me? Let go. You know where your home is? This is what God's teaching me. You know where your home is? Those two little kids. You know where your home is? Is your wife. You know where your home is? Is wherever I am, Tom, because I'm your God. That's where your home is. And you know what? I'm fine with, with watching Korean soap operas. I'm fine with that because I have a home and I'm blessed and I'm holding loosely to what I have. I'm, I'm willing to let go of my apartment because you know why? Because I know God's gonna provide a greater home for me. And you know what? Even if I live in a great grand home with a house and a dog, whatever it is, still, you know what? My home is not the material things. It's the spiritual things. It's the things that, the physical, uh, the people that God has put in my life. That's what I'm holding on to. Hold loosely to the things of this world and hold light, uh, tightly to Jesus. And the last couple ones I want to share with you, Hebrews 13, uh, verse 15. It says this, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Here's what I get out of this. If you want to be in a good gang, 
for Jesus Christ, state your allegiance. State your allegiance. What I mean by that? State who you follow. I am a follower of Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Proclaim that. I'm not saying being militant and irritating about it. I know a lot of Christians have been like that. I'm just saying, do what you can to proclaim that you love Jesus. Uh, a couple months ago, I did something that I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do, but I did it anyway. I put Star Wars stickers on my car. <laughs> yep. I put a Darth Vader, and you can go see my car and see what's going on. And I'm a Star Wars fan. Anybody with me? Come on, admit it. Come on. The Force be with you. Okay, cool. Awesome, yeah? Um, and the thing I debated was this. It's like, man, I'm going to put these stickers on, and it's going to be like, nerd alert. You know, it's like, what is this guy doing? Like, what are you? You're they're like a 40-year-old man, and you're, uh, you're watching Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm, and I just said to myself, I'm proud. No, I'm going to be a proud Star Wars fan, whatever it is. I was proclaiming my love for Star Wars. And with our Christian walk, are you proclaiming that you love Jesus? Are you announcing? And I think it's more than just stickers and T-shirts. I think it's when you're walking around, are you conscious of letting people know that you love Jesus Christ? I I heard a story this morning about uh, someone that, you know, in his neighborhood, he just loves to plant little seeds here. And here's how he did it. I loved it. He's like, he knows people, um, you need to warm up and you need to build trust. And so he just, he just throws it into his conversation. And so early morning, some guy was walking his dog and some early morning's like, man, where are you going? And he just said, I'm going to make coffee at church. And you just throw it out there. And the guy's all, church, you go church, you know? And it was just this little thing. But guess what he did? He stated his allegiance. He stated where he stands, like, I love God. And I, you know what? I'm going to go to church this morning. Um, this, uh, just recently, I had my, my washer fixed. And the guy came from Sears, and he was fixing my guy. He was kind of a heavyset guy. And while he was fixing, I don't know why, but he like, totally like, started sharing his heart with me. And uh, I told him I was a pastor, so maybe that's why he's like, confession time, whatever it is. And, uh, and he just said, man, I've been struggling. You know, I had a bad knee. I just got out of uh, surgery, and he's a bigger guy. And, you know, like, when you do the laundry, it's like, you have to go down and do all this stuff. So I don't know. If I, maybe I have to change careers. And he was just pouring his heart to me. And, and so he fixed my thing. I'm like, yeah, right on. And I went to his truck to pay for it. And I was, I was signing the paper, and I really felt the Holy Spirit say, are you going to pray for him or not? I'm all, okay, I'm going to pray for him. You know, okay, God, I will. And the Holy Spirit was just pressing on me. And so I just looked at him, I'm like, hey, dude, you know what? Thanks for sharing for, uh, about your life and, and what you're going through. Can I pray for you? And the guy was like, shoots. <laughs> Let's do this. And you know why? I was stating my allegiance to the healer. I was stating my allegiance to the King of Kings that can actually do a miracle in his life. Do I know what happened in his life? No. I hope he was blessed but I was stating my allegiance because I know a God that can change his life. Step out in faith. And my last point is this. And I'll close with this. And actually the problem with preaching this kind of sermon is like, be a gang. Be Christians and support one another. The problem with that is, is that, okay, you can walk out of here and take it to the extreme and go, all right, the world can all just go to hell. <laughs> in a handbasket. 
and it's gonna be me, and we're gonna be a holy huddle, and we're just gonna wait till Jesus comes back. <laughs> that is not what Jesus is saying. That is not what the author is saying. And actually, let me prove it to you. You wanna to turn to John 17. John 17, we have Jesus saying this beautiful prayer about he's not of this world. And actually he was saying that his disciples are not of this world because he, he called them, he called them out of the world. And he's praying to his father right before he gets crucified. And he says this in John 17, verse 16, he says, they, his disciples, do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Now get this. He's saying, his father, just as you sent me, we're coming up to Christmas, right? This is when God sent Jesus into the world. That's what Christmas is all about. When he died, right before he died, he said, just as you sent me, I am sending my followers into the world. So here's my last point. Remember this. Jesus called you out and he's sending you back in. He's sending you right back in. Why? Because when he called you out, you let go of all those things. You let go of your identity and your identity is in Jesus Christ. And man, I hope you guys have realized when you have your identity in Jesus Christ, he, he reveals his love and his gifts and his plan for you. And you're healed and redeemed. And it's an abundant, incredible life. It's the best life possible when you're there. Then he says, you know what? Now go get more people. Now that you're healed, now that you have found me, go get more. Because I, you know what this gang is? This gang is not an exclusive gang, not an insider gang. This is we're the outsiders, which means everyone's invited. Which means everyone's invited. Which means this. Maybe some of you guys, maybe you guys were kind of like listening to this whole sermon and you're going, I'm not sure if I can make this gang. I don't know if I, I'm, I don't know if I'm good enough to be in this gang. I don't know if I can adhere to the standards of this gang. And Jesus is saying, no, there's, there's only one thing you need to do. It's follow me. What you, one thing you need to do is just make me your Lord and Savior. Because you know why? Because I became, I carried your sin. I carried everything. I read something actually in, in Isaiah 53. And I want to close with this. Isaiah 53 uh, verse 12, and I actually shared uh, this verse earlier, this chapter earlier with you guys. But at the end of that chapter, it says this. He was counted among the rebels. He was counted among the rebellious. Another way of saying that, he was counted among the transgressors, the sinners. He was counted a criminal. He was buried a criminal. He was counted among them. And I was thinking about that. And what came to mind was when I went on tour, actually. You know, I told you I was a punk rocker and I went on tour. We played all these cities across the country. And in all of these cities and all of these shows, you know who I ran into? I ran into this group called the Gutter Punks. You know what a Gutter Punk is? Anybody seen a Gutter Punk before? Okay, we live in Hawaii. Okay, so they don't, they don't have them here. They're just, they're like, they're like these 
homeless orphan kids that love punk rock music and they wear, you know, piercings and tattoos and they're real dirty and they're like modern day hobos. They jump on trains and they just travel across the country and, and basically they have this idea that I'm rejecting society. I'm rejecting all you have for me. I'm going to be a rebel, rebel and I'm going to live my life and actually society's spitting them out going, you are rejected as well. We don't want you. And so there's kind of like, that's why they call them gutter punks. But here's the one thing I realized in all the cities that we went to, in all the cities that we played, the one place where they were welcomed, the one place that they could go to and feel like they were at home with family was all these punk rock shows. They would come to these punk rock shows and go, I'm a gutter punk. We're like, yeah, we love you. Awesome, come on in. And here's the one thing I realized. When Jesus was counted among the rebels, you know what he, you know what he became? He was counted as a gutter punk. He became a gutter punk. Why? is because when the gutter punks come to him, they go, I feel welcomed. I feel at home. I feel like I, 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 I belong. And what does that mean to you guys? Think about the worst thing that you've done. Think about something that's keeping you going, man, I can't, I can't be a Christian. I'm not worthy enough. Think about that. Well, Jesus became that for you. Jesus was counted that for you. Jesus was counted an adulterer. Jesus was counted as a liar. Jesus was counted as a drug dealer. Jesus was counted as a prideful person. Jesus was counted as a vainful person. He was counted in that. Why? He wasn't any of those things, but he carried it anyway, and he became that anyway. Why? Because he said, you know what? All is welcome and all can come. Everybody can be in this gang. And you're welcome too. I'm gonna pray. Let's bow our heads actually. And I hope that last part of my sermon really touched some of the hearts here. Because, because of the fact of the matter is, is you might not feel like you're worthy. You might not feel like there's no way I can be a Christian, born again, part of this gang you're talking about. And I just want to tell you straight out, Jesus loves you. Actually, Jesus died for you. He carried your sins. He became everything, every, every sinful part of you, he became. He carried it for you so that you can live. And he's always asking is you would follow me, that you would come outside the camp that you would believe in me, that you would believe that I died on the cross for you, that you would believe that through that comes salvation and forgiveness and freedom, that I have a glorious identity for you beyond what you think you are and are gonna end up to be. I have a glorious plan beyond that. And I'm hoping that some of you guys this morning wanna join the gang, wanna become an outsider. Because in this room, there's a whole bunch of people that, has, that have problems and burdens and strongholds and sin. But in this place, not this building, but in this place where Jesus is, we have found freedom and life and forgiveness. And Jesus is calling out to you this morning, go, you know what? Go all in. Be a Christian, be born again. And I want to give anyone that opportunity right now. 
I'm going to say a prayer in a minute or so. It's a prayer dedicating your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe even rededicating your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you fell away, and now you want to come back. And this prayer is saying, Lord Jesus, I want that freedom that that pastor's talking about. I want that life that that pastor's talking about. I want to let go of my old ways and follow your new ways for me. So I'm going to say that prayer. But I really want you to tell me that you're going to be saying that prayer. I want to count to three. And on three, all I ask is that you raise your hand, telling me that you want to pray with me, just acknowledging, yeah, I'll, I'll pray with you. And then we'll do that. So here we go. One, two, three. Does anybody want that this morning? We got one, two, anybody else? We got three, anybody else? We got four, actually a bunch, yeah, five. Sorry. Yeah, anybody else? Either dedicate your life or rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. Yes, thank you so much. Anybody else? Say this prayer under your breath like it's your own, like your own prayer to God. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. I acknowledge that you did that. I acknowledge that you rose again from the grave three days later. I acknowledge that you carried my sins on the cross. Every worst, vile thing that I have done, you carried on the cross and that you were counted as a rebel, as a sinner, even though you didn't sin. What an amazing thing. And because of that, Lord, because of that act, because of the fact you died for me, I will give you my life. I will join you outside the camp. Lord, I am all in for you. I believe what you did. You are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you so much. In Jesus' precious name we all say. Amen. Let's give those people a hand.